Well, once again, Happy New Year, everybody. If you would, uh, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 2 this morning. <clears throat> um, I want to talk today about, about one of the most beloved Christmas stories uh, that we have. Now, you may be wondering, so you know, why now? Wasn't Christmas, uh, in the past Christmas, and that sort of, well, you're, you're going to figure that out here in just a few minutes. But, uh, but let me begin this morning, first of all, with, just to, to see if you're awake out there, how the brain the cells are ticking, uh, or whatever they do, <clears throat> and uh, firing, uh, or whatever. Um, uh, a little, little, pre, little after Christmas and, and New Year uh, trivia quiz this morning, all right? Here we go. Um, how many wise men were there? Don't know. That's right. Don't know. We have no idea how many wise men there were. Tradition says three, probably because there were three gifts, but we really don't know. It could have been a whole bunch of them. Number two, what were the names of the wise men? <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach. No, no. Wrong story. Wrong story. <clears throat> uh, tr we, traditionally, they were given names, but again, we have no clue. We have no clue. No idea uh, what their names were. Oh, here's a very important one. Did they ride camels that had one hump or two? <laughs> Three. <laughs> yeah, that'd be an accomplishment, wouldn't it? That's right. Uh, we, we have no idea. What, what, we don't even know if they rode camels. They may have ridden, ridden horses for all we know, and much less whether they had one hump or two. All right, another important question here. What are the three primary ingredients in the eggnog that Mary served to the wise men? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 actually, the answer is it depends on whether it was Baptist eggnog or Episcopalian eggnog, right? <laughs> um, actually, we don't know whether Mary served anything to the wise men. Well, <clears throat> number five, what were the three gifts presented to the baby Jesus by the wise men? Gold, frankincense, and what? Myrrh. Myrrh. All right, last question. Who showed up first at the manger, the shepherds or the wise men? The shepherds. Shepherds. Okay. Now, here's answered the question I proposed a few minutes ago. The wise men may have been at least a year, maybe even as long as two years before they showed up in Bethlehem. So that's why this is a tremendous after Christmas story. So let's look at it. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And this is the Herod, there's a bunch of Herods in the Bible. This is the Herod that, well, this is Big Daddy Herod. This is, he's, this is Herod the Great. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. Now, it, it was just a, a normal day in Jerusalem until the wise men showed up. Now, we don't know a whole lot about these guys, but, but history does reveal that, that they have first appeared sometime in the 7th century B.C. They are from Persia or the Chaldeans, and they, they, and they lived in the area that is, would be modern-day Iran. Uh, they were highly skilled in a number of academic disciplines, math, science, uh, agriculture, uh, and astronomy, of course. Astro and in that day, it was very closely associated with astrology. 
They had tremendous knowledge. And because of their great knowledge, they had tremendous influence. They were not kings, but they were more like king makers. They were powerful, powerful, the most powerful advisors in the Medo-Persian Empire. They, so again, it's not strange at all that they were often referred to as wise men or magi. Well, this is something we don't think about very often, but God chose to speak to these wise men in, in a way that they could understand, which was through the study of the sky. We have seen his star as it arose. Now, as far as what the star was, you know, we don't really know for sure that answer either. It, it could have been uh, uh, something, uh, an astro- astronomical phenomenon of, of some kind. Uh, personally, I think it was a supernatural phenomenon that God provided for the wise men. Now, b- before we go on, <clears throat> I want us to think about something else that we really think about. And that is what God is doing in reaching out to the wise men is a, is a, is a phenomenal thing. I remember these guys were Gentiles. Gentiles. They were not Jews. They were pagans who lived eight to 900 miles away, which was an enormous distance in that period of time. And so from the very beginning, what God is doing is casting a very, very wide net with the good news of Jesus Christ. He's making it abundantly clear that that good news of the birth of Christ is not just for the Jews, but that it is for all people, for all people. So when they arrived in Jerusalem, they immediately drew a lot of attention. I mean, they probably had a very large entourage, probably even accompanied by Persian soldiers. Again, they had the appearance of kings because of their wealth and power, but they were not kings. And yet they stirred quite a bit of interest as they entered the city, especially when they started asking that question, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Well, needless to say, it particularly stirred up a lot of consternation on the part of the one who was the reigning king at that time of the Jews, and that was King Herod. He was an very interesting character, (laughs) a colorful character to say the least. Uh, First of all, he, he was a very gifted guy. I mean, an amazing architect and builder. I mean, if if you went to the Holy Land today and saw the the ruins that still exist from the things that he built, you would scratch your head in absolute astonishment. How in the world did he do this? How how was he able to build such things? The temple, he built the last temple that was still standing when the Babylonians invaded and conquered Jerusalem in 70 AD. And up to that point, the the temple in Jerusalem was considered one of the wonders of the world. Again, what, what this guy built was absolutely unbelievable. But he was also a very evil and terribly vicious individual. He was insanely jealous, paranoid, ruthlessly eliminated any threat to his throne, including those who were closest to him, even his own family. He killed his second wife, Miriamne. He killed her grandfather. He killed her 16-year-old brother, two other brothers-in-law, and a mother-in-law, even two of his very own sons, along with their friends. And then just five days before he died, he killed a third son, which prompted Caesar Augustus at that time to issue the statement, it would be better to be Herod's pig than to be one of his sons. I mean, he was a terribly vicious individual. And when Herod realized that his death was imminent, he issued a decree that 
all the leaders of Jerusalem should be rounded up, gathered together, and then as soon as Herod died, those leaders should be killed as well. Because he was afraid nobody was going to mourn for him, but he wanted to make sure that tears were shed on that day in the city of Jerusalem. Well, that's the kind of character that we're, <clears throat> that we're talking about here. Fortunately, that, did not be, that was not carried out. But again, you get the picture. So no wonder when we read that Herod, <clears throat> that Herod was disturbed, that the entire city was disturbed with him because they had no clue what this crazy king might do in response to this word about a newborn king. Well, sure enough, Herod's evil paranoia kicks in. Verse 4, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And this is the prophet Micah. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you and will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Verse 7, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them when the time, he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Now, why was he asking that question? He wanted to know about how old this newborn king could possibly be at this point. Verse 8, then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. Now, this was not like searching for a needle in a haystack. Bethlehem was, was a tiny town. Uh, scholars believe that, you know, there may have been as many as 10, 15, maybe 20 children that would have been uh, this age at that point in that little town. Uh, but then Herod added, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Yeah, right. Herod was king over Judea. But who was king over Herod? Herod was somebody that we're going to call this morning an I-king person. An I-king person. Do you know what the, the I in iPhone means? Or, or we, have, we have iPads and we still have some iPods out there. You realize, the fact is, back in the 90s, it meant internet, but, but today nobody really knows what it means. <laughs> And so, this morning, here at Southern Hills Baptist Church, January 3rd, 2020, 2021, whatever day this is, we are going to officially declare that I means I. <laughs> it means I. Herod was an I-king person. That is, the only king that he had was himself. It was his kingdom. And he was determined to be in control and remain in control no matter what it costs, again, even if it cost those, the lives of those closest to him. Life was all about him. It was all about his kingdom, his power, his glory, the kingdom of I. As we begin this new year with all its uncertainties, let me ask who is king over you? Who is king over you? Are you an I king person or a Jesus king person? You know, if we're going to truly be honest in answering that question, I think all of us uh, 
have to admit that, that we are, are naturally subject to some of Herod's eye-keen problem, except we just more socially express it in a little more socially acceptable ways. But we like to have control of our own little kingdoms, do we not? And there's no doubt that the challenges presented by this pandemic only intensify that desire. Iking people have two big problems, two big motivators, more than two problems, but two big motivators, selfishness and pride, selfishness and pride. Now, for some of us, that's quite obvious. For others of us, it's a little more subtle. For some, it's even deceitfully spiritual. Selfishness and pride. It's all the same problem. Let me ask, as I take a moment just now to describe how selfishness and pride is expressed in Ikeem people, but to be willing to, to open up your own heart and mind and just ask yourself, is, is any of this in me? Is any of this in me? Ikeem people tend to give time only to relationships that can benefit them. They tend to use others, and when others are in need, the Iking people are hard to find. Iking people usually don't consider the implications of their actions toward others, especially when other people are hurt. And for sure, don't ever ask an Iking person to admit to making a mistake. Iking people, just like Herod, easily become paranoid or fearful because they are so self-consumed. They haven't learned what it means to rest in God's sovereign care. I-King people are ungrateful people because they are entitled. They feel entitled. So when good things happen to them, there's no sense of gratitude because they think they deserve it. And when bad things happen to them, they gripe and complain and grow bitter because they think they deserve better. <clears throat> Iking people don't pray very much. Obviously because they don't think they need God. They are pridefully unaware of God's mercy and grace in their lives day by day. So they tend to have critical spirits, find fault in other people. Does any of that sound familiar? I mean, has the Holy Spirit pointed anywhere in your heart, in your life, and said, eh, that's you right there. I king or Jesus king? Now, when I king people get bumped, all that pride and selfishness starts spilling out in, in the ugliest of ways. And bumps happen, right? I mean, life happens. Pandemics happen. Bumps happen. So when bumps happen, you have a choice to make. You can either selfishly and pridefully dig in to do all you can to preserve your own personal kingdom, or you can humbly submit control to God. Well, needless to say, the arrival of the Magi looking for a newborn king was a big bump for King Herod. 
His pride and selfishness started spilling out. He starts digging in, doing all that he can. He goes into overdrive, trying to get control of this newest threat to his throne. So he tries to manipulate the Magi. Now, remember, the the Magi had no clue as to what Herod's true intentions were in this whole process. Verse 9, after this interview, the wise men went their way. Once again, the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Now, remember, over many, many years, the Magi had been charting the movement of the stars. And for them, that, that un, and for generations had been doing that. And for them, that unwavering path of the stars through the sky really represented order in the universe. So when all of a sudden this brand new star that they'd never seen before, that they couldn't find in any of their charts, suddenly breaks into that order. And for them, it must have immediately sensed that, or seemed as though the God who created, the, the creator of the skies was himself breaking into that created order in order to make a very special announcement which is indeed exactly what he was doing. And so from the very first moment they saw the star, they were not going to miss out on this. You see, I King people live for their own personal agenda. But Jesus King people live for God's agenda, for God's. You know, obviously the wise men's faith at this point is, is a very, very meager thing. And yet what they do in trying to follow God's agenda is something that's very helpful for us as well. You see, first, what they do, they followed the light that was given to them. Now, in their case, it was a literal light. They kept on following that star. But then what they do, they they confirm that leading with the Word of God. See, God is never going to lead you somewhere that His Word contradicts or conflicts with. For them, they received that confirmation from the prophet Micah, from the word stated, from that verse that was given to to Herod by the the priests and the teachers. And then, as we read just a moment ago, they took steps forward in obedience. They followed the star until it stopped over the place where the child was. And then, we read in verse 11, that they, that is the Magi, entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshiped him. Then they opened the treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, I king people are takers, but Jesus king people are givers, givers. Now, understand that, you know, you've probably read or studied this a little heard in the past, that, you know, there is tremendous symbolism in these gifts that they give. But the Magi had no clue. They had no awareness about all that. I mean, they didn't think to themselves, well, let's give him gold for his kingly role. Let's give him frankincense for his priestly role. Let's give him myrrh for his role as a Savior who will die for sins. No. They just gave. Just simply gave. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh would have been typical gifts that would have been given to royalty. They were very, very expensive. In fact, as I mentioned just a few Sundays ago when we talked about Mary and Joseph, the fact that they were very, very poor, 
And, and God, scholars believe that God probably used, provided these gifts as a means to finance their trip that we're about to see in a moment, their, their trip and stay in Egypt. That's the way it is when Jesus King people give. Can the imagine I had no clue? They just gave. When you give, when Jesus King people give, you have no idea how God is going to take your gifts and use them as part of a much bigger plan than you could ever imagine when you give. Well, the Magi returned home with empty treasure chests, but not with empty hearts. We read in verse 12, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Well, in the meantime, Herod immediately strikes back. And he does so in, in such a vicious and devastating manner that, that, I mean, it really just takes your breath away as you read these verses. Verse 16 Herod was furious when he realized the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted. For they are dead. And those verses, again, leave us stunned and, and horrified. Oh, such a terrifying end to, to this otherwise beloved story. And the first question that comes to mind for, for any of us when we read this is, is why? Why? Why did this have to happen? The answer to that question is much more simple than what you might guess. The answer is sin. This happened for the same reason that every other terrible thing that people have done to people over the years has ever happened in this world. Because of sin. See, sin kills. So literally, in this case, but otherwise, sin kills. I mean, I king people are ruled by sin. Herod was ruled by sin. Sin kills innocence. Sin kills ideals. Sin kills the will. It, it enslaves people. So the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 6, 12, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to, the, to sinful desires. Don't be an eye-king person. At 
this tragic ending of the story of the Magi is one that we'd rather forget. But it is a vivid reminder that will always remain a reminder of the horrible nature of sin. It is the very reason why God the Son gave up His throne in heaven and was born into this world under the star of Bethlehem. It is the reason why God the Son laid down His life for us upon a cross to save us from our sin and from its devastating effects both in eternity and here in this life as well. Don't be an I-king person. Be a Jesus-king person. May we all, may we all enthrone Jesus Christ daily in our hearts. Let's pray. With your head bowed and and eyes closed, and I want to invite you that are, are watching online this morning to do that as well. How is God's Spirit working in your life and heart as we begin this new year? How is He at work? Are you open to Him being at work? We'd love to know so that we might be able to help you in whatever way that might be. If you would just simply send us a text once again to that 97,000, 97,000, just one word, SHBC next, SHBC next. And complete that form and let us know how God is at work. It may be something as simple as joining our church. It may be that you are wanting to recommit your heart and life to Christ as you begin this new year. It may be that it has become very clear to you in your mind and heart that you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as the King of your life. So, Father, I pray this morning that truly as we begin this new year together, that we might enthrone the Lord Jesus Christ as the King of our hearts, the King of our minds, the King of our lives. May we truly be Jesus King people. It's in His name we pray. Amen.